Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of Big Trouble in Little Manus. I am your supremely neighborhood dungeon master, Jeremy Cobb. And I am joined by, and I just realized we did not have an established order for this, did we? We're going to jump to Margaret. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Margaret. Oh, no. Wasn't prepared. Um, no, I'm Margaret Crone, uh, and I will be playing Jenna Ainsley. We are both she, they. I'm your resident goth child. It's great. Hopefully you enjoy it. And you can find me at Margaret Crone in all of the places. Yeah. And uh, one of Margaret's best friends in the world. Uh, Char, would you please introduce yourself and your character? I like that I am all Margaret's best friend in the world and also Kimberly. <laughs> You're right. It's Jenna's. It's going to be Jenna's. So if I show the truth, accurate, I'm in. <laughs> Hi, everybody. You've been promoted to best friend status <laughs> on, on the basis of a flub. <laughs> oh, I'm Charlene Bayer. I go by Char. My pronouns are she, they. Today, I am playing Kimberly, the anxiety-ridden uh, kid of this little manus, and she uses she, her pronouns. And uh, I cannot say names. Uh, and Kimberly's older brother, uh, <laughs> Kelly, would you please? I'm so glad you didn't say Char's <laughs> like, older don't brother. Say Char's older brother. <laughs> no, that no. that's weird. It's I know you guys are Canadian, yes. but that's still weird. <laughs> um, my name is Kelly. My pronouns are they, them, and I am playing Jamie Patterson, whose pronouns are he, him, and he is the dogmatic professional VHS uh, renter person <laughs> uh, and one of jamie's best friends b dave would you please introduce yourself and your character it is i b dave walters friends to all mankind um and uh i am playing uh buck adams who thinks you guys just need to like chill out man yeah <laughs> also and one i'm of fighting Buck's... a oh, sniffle yes, so i might just abruptly go silent as i'm violently <laughs> muting on and off here <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, and one of Buck's biggest projects, I suppose. Uh, Connie, would you please introduce yourself and your character? Absolutely. I'm Connie. My pronouns are they, he, and she. And my character is Din Jung, who uses they, Z pronouns. And Z is not chill. Uh, Z is the opposite of chill. Uh, whenever I feel like as Buck gets chiller and chiller, Jin gets less and less chill until we're like literally polar opposites and 
cause some kind of environmental collapse from these opposing <laughs> forces existing within the same space. It's not good. Yeah, it's the that's, it's the inverse chill dichotomy. That's how yes. we balance things out, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's like the Ursula K. Le Guin short story, the ones who walk away from uh, Omelis, except Jin is the child, the suffering child in the basement uh, that has to exist for everyone else to be very chill. <laughs> it's a very niche reference. Only one person yeah. in this call understood. It's a deep cut, so though. It's a deep cut. I, I was with it. Yeah. I was with it. I got it. As, Look, yeah, earlier as they were talking about talking camels. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, for more information on that, go listen to Outlaws and Obelisks. Uh, but meanwhile, stick here and finish this episode of Big Trouble in Luminous News because we got a lot to get to. Uh, we are currently inside of Silver Screen Rentals, uh, where a very important conversation is taking place. All of you just escaped the massive blaze uh, slash, uh, I guess, attack that took place during the screening of the blob. And you have reconvened at Silver Screen Rentals along with Joe and Jamal, uh, both of whom are present inside of silver screen rentals and Jin just had a massive uh, realization. Uh, Z just realized that the name of the town is actually a, a misnomer. The real name of the town refers to a, glow, a glowing river that uh, we're going to find out a little bit more of that, I suppose. Uh, let's pick things back up. Jin, what do you do after you have this realization? Jin is like squatting by the freezer. I think they've been handed like an ice pop or something. And right now, like the stick is just kind of like hanging stickily in their hand as their eyes go super wide as these realizations cut through their head, like knives slashing through tangled vines in a jungle. And they just kind of gasp and shout out loud with no context and no forewarning. Guys, guys, my brain muscles are hurting. My brain muscles are spasming. I, it, La River Luminous. Ashante, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm speaking French. Fuck. Yeah. Au revoir. Wait. Bon, bonjour. No, no. French. French. I'm speaking French. Jamie's in the middle of putting a VHS copy of the thing in the TV that like hangs on the ceiling in the corner. Uh, au revoir. What? You seem really excited about learning French. Most of us take... No, this is America. Most of us take Spanish, so I don't know f French. <laughs> no, no, just this this phrase popped in my head, and I remembered just... Don't you guys remember that, like, one semester, some people were able to take French before that class was cut for, like, budget reasons or something? Where something about the river Luminous... The, the history of, of Little Minus, it, it's a mistranslation or something, but Lou Minus, like luminating or something, it's glow, glowy water, water glow. Okay, I think Kimberly is like a tactical genius, and so I think she probably like speaks French and Latin and like other and Spanish and other languages that don't exist. Like, what is she talking about? Like, they, sorry, I mean, it's been a hard day, sorry. <laughs> My gender's all over the place today. <laughs> Bernard hands you another sandwich. Exactly. Oh. You need to refuel, sir. Oh, thanks. Blood pressure's blood sugar's crashing, man. Glowy water, luminous, like luminous, like it glows. It means glowing. You're totally right. Speaking of, and I hand my backpack to uh, Jenna. I think Jenna's still in the car. 
Yeah, I think she was uh, in the car, but we can say that she is inside now if we want. Okay, uh, you, you just think, enter, and I'm like, yeah. I, I'm holding a locked backpack in your direction. I will say the moment she enters, Buck just sort of nudges Jamie and's like, I told you she'd live. I don't think anyone was dying. <laughs> I mean, people were getting No, pe- people died. What? There was a guy, the, the, the Yikwa, it... I'm gonna, I shot someone also in the grab, head. I'm going to grab an ice cream as well. <laughs> I will say the moment she says I shot someone with a head in the head, you see Buck gives the most enthusiastic high five you've seen any, any of you have seen like, ah, hey. And Jenna nice returns the most unenthusiastic high five ever. Um, let me ask a quick question. What is the lighting situation in this uh, in the in silver screen rentals right now? Have you turned has Jamie turned on the lights or is it sort of like security lights at this? Well, point? as we all know, the beginning of the thing starts with uh, in day daylight with a very snowy mm-hmm. region. So I think there's like flickering light now in the the store, but I have not turned on the like store lights because we're not mm-hmm. supposed to be open right now. Right. Okay. So, in the flickering light of the the Antarctic landscape, uh, echoing through the building, you hear, and it was a great shot too. And then followed by a, as a little flame appears uh, in a back section, and coming out of the gloom, is Matumbo. I didn't think there was like a door over there. You were the one. Wait, you're the one that was. Who are you? I'm the one that was there. You were at the school and then doing like backflips and blocking stuff and who, what, what's going on? She, uh, she takes a long drag on the cigar and then breathes out and she says, (coughs) oh yeah, sorry. Is this, is this, does anybody have asthma? Should I put this out? No, put this out. No, my boss Uh, smokes cigars in here anyways. It's fine. Oh, never mind. She lights it back up. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the 80s. There's probably ashtrays sprinkled liberally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I go grab her an ashtray. <laughs> yeah. It's like a promotional uh, ashtray from some movie that came out. <laughs> uh, she asks, you asked a couple of questions just now. You asked who I am, and then you asked, what am I doing here? Which one do you want me to answer first? Yes. Who like you are you might help answer the second one, but that one... Who I am. Uh, She looks around the room. She says, I can tell this group is a little nervous after what happened tonight. It's understandable. Things got a little intense back there. So let me tell you. Cards on the table. Name's Maxine Matumbo. Don't bother looking it up. You won't find it. I like to stay off the grid. I'm here to put a stop to the evil things that are happening in this town. Uh, She looks off for a moment and she says... I, uh, I'm a paranormal investigator of sorts. I like to stop bad supernatural things before they get even worse. A few, uh, well, about 18 months ago, I had heard, uh, some strange reports from Guatemala, small town. Went down, investigated. Folks said they were having hallucinations, visual, auditory. I investigated. Turns out it was a cross-company town. I deduced that it was connected to a new soft drink that they had been provided called Giga Fuel. Gimmick was that the drink glowed a little bit and was supposed to boost energy and productivity. 
But I tried some of this stuff, and I got a little bit of a tingle. So I drank a whole case, and I'll tell you what. I saw things and felt things beyond the normal. Truly supernatural. Telekinesis. Telepathy. Wild stuff. It was then that I developed my theory. Gigafuel must have been causing this. I started investigating other cross-company towns around the world. Most of them didn't have Gigafuel, but the ones that did had the same kinds of reports. I finally concluded that the only way to really stop this is to stop the drink from being spread. I had planned a strike at the Guatemala location, but yes... Uh, I see a hand. I didn't mean to interrupt the, like, vital exposition, but, like, if they're just, like, giving people, like, cool trips and, like, superpowers, like, why is that bad? Have you ever heard the phrase mass paranoia? No. Okay. Imagine a scenario where everyone can just sort of hear what everyone else is thinking at all times, and they can't turn it off. But I think it goes deeper than that. The more research I did, the more I found this drink didn't just cause paranoia and hallucinations. It seemed to cause increased suggestibility. People were more easily convinced of things, more docile, more easily controlled. That's the bad part. Mm. We're on the same page. Like a, like a mind-controlled drink? Exactly. I wouldn't mind controlling so, some people. Yeah, you should never be a CEO. I, <laughs> I, um, I would, I would just, I'd lean down next to Jenna, and I'm like, well, she said she drank it. Why don't you try? <laughs> uh, I, I think be- Jenna leans back over the buck and is like, "Do you know where the keys are?" Keys to what? She holds up the bag. <gasps> oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, wait, Jamie's saying something. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, 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 Jamie. Sorry. I don't have... Okay, a lot is going on. Uh, sorry, uh, Maxine, I don't know if your story was over, but uh, it's it's a lovely story, and I'm sure you could probably sell it to, like, Paramount or something like that. Um, I don't have any contacts there, but I have correspondents that might be able to hook you up with somebody. Um, I have a question, Storyteller. Buck and yes. I specifically watch a lot of, like underground videotapes. I'm curious mm-hmm. if we have ever seen anything that we thought maybe was fake that sort of lines up with what she's saying. Oh, okay. So like in the sort of like the weird, not even really film film type yeah. stuff, like like bootleg type stuff. Like a tape that have goes around and like the, and people are like, oh, you gotta watch this. Like someone's lifting up a can with their mind. It's wild. Like, And we thought that it was fake or something like like Buck and almost I are looking like a, at the almost screen. like you, a snuff film that turns out really is somebody yeah. with superpowers we're like we right. can see the string but we were high yes <laughs> I'm gonna say uh I roll a brains roll and I'm gonna call it a four all right brains four <laughs> oh that's an eight that means it explodes <laughs> hey <That's> a 11 <laughs> okay with an 11 uh I think the Guatemala thing like 
they're like, oh, dang, because you remember very vaguely like a Spanish language sort of snuff film type thing where nobody died. But it was like a weird thing where people would like it looked like it was fake, like they would reach for things. And as they were reaching, the things would like move towards them. And then like there would be scenes of people like pulling out cards and another person like guessing what was on the cards just consistently. Uh, I don't think you could understand everything that was being said because I don't I don't know that either of you speak fluent Spanish, but you could you could tell it was some sort of like weird psychic display. Bro, I told you it wasn't just strings they airbrushed out. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have gotten rid of something like that. Okay, okay, okay one sec. Uh, I'm gonna go back to our back room where we have our stacks. I'm gonna mm-hmm. find that one, bring it back. And then sort of stare at the TV for a little bit because it's the scene where the like wiggly strings are coming out of the dog and I would never stop the movie. <laughs> One sec. Uh, Matumbo also watches nodding <laughs> solemnly. <laughs> All right. Great piece of filmmaking. And then I'll eject the tape and I'll put it in. Uh, is this what you're talking about? Uh, yeah. As it plays out, the rest of you see this scene and it's not a long videotape, maybe like five minutes long, five, ten minutes max. And as it's going, uh, you can see it does appear to be Spanish language, uh, Spanish speaking people doing like weird psychic tricks. And you and uh, Maxine says, not only is it true, pause it right there. See that reflection in the window? <laughs> And you can see, you can see Maxine Maxine holding the camera. (laughs) Did you send this to us or how did this get out? I and my partner tried to make sure we distributed it as far as possible. Raise awareness in an underground sort of way. What happened to your partner? Oh, he's fine. Oh, he's actually been here for a while. Who's your partner? Is it Bernard? <laughs> Bernard says, I wish. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, he thought it would be best to infiltrate in a job that would allow him to travel mostly unnoticed. He's very handy with a mop, so he got a job as a custodian. <gasps> ben W? You know him. The janitor! Everyone says he's in witness yeah. protection. It's true. That's why I was at the school today. I had a little rendezvous. Had to check in for the operation tonight. Oh my god. Wait, so... The second thing. What are you doing here? Why here? Why now? Why this town? Well, as I was planning to strike at the Guatemala plant, see if I could catch some execs, take them right out, the drink was suddenly recalled. And it was then that I discovered those plants weren't even packaging the drink. This is a cross-company product being given specifically to cross-company employees in cross-company towns. But it wasn't being manufactured in those towns. I'll give you three guesses where it was actually being manufactured, and the first two don't count. Okay, just, maybe the first two count. Just Go a ahead, bunch of guess. teenagers looking up trying to think of... Uh... Here? It... it Yes! Oh, yes! Yes! Exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's like, yes. yeah, that's very dramatically appropriate. Um, yes. Storyteller, while we're complicating yes. things, uh, mm-hmm. knowing my father's access to things, have I ever seen this Giga drink? Like, do we have any, or did have I seen it at my house? Mm. Um, roll a brains roll. Blah! 
I'm, I'm, really, I'm going to call this a brains roll of five. I'm really more of a do. Actually, his brains isn't terrible. I take that back. His brains isn't terrible. I was, um, a nine. Oh, you smash it hmm. uh, with a brains roll of nine. You vaguely remember, like, because in your room, there are all sorts of samples of, like, cross-company products that your dad has given you. And you vaguely remember one time a can of a drink that you hadn't really recognized being in there. And I don't even think, I don't even know if you picked it up, but you remember seeing the word gig. Uh, And I think not long after, the drink was removed. Without like anyone really saying anything to you about it, it's just the drink was gone like a day later. Bur- Almost as if it'd been put in there by mistake. Bernard, you take that drink out of my stash. I had one of those. You know, Dad's always giving me samples and stuff, and there was like gig of something. Like I haven't trusted anything since that last cola he gave. Like tasted like Pepto Bismol and functioned the same. <laughs> but you drink that, bro? Yes. No, I, I. As you, uh, you may not know this, but your father will have shipments uh, delivered to the house, various samples, many of them meant for you, some simply meant for home examination. I had assumed that the soft drink was meant for you as an experimental, new, delicious drink, so I'd put it in there, but then your father had asked me to remove it. Miss Maxine, if you like Pinky Promise not to murder everybody, I'll introduce you to my dad. We probably could sort this out like over like a burger, man. Your dad, what's his last name? Adams. Carlisle Adams, executive officer. Yeah, he's an asshole, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Because you see, I'm in town to try and get to the bottom of what's going on here. Things have uh, been happening a little strangely for a while. And she, she glances at you, Margaret, for a moment, and she says... I didn't want to do this in front of everybody. Originally, I was going to do a cool thing where I showed up in your room mysteriously to talk to you personally about it, but then I realized you're a child and that would come off kind of weird, so unfortunately, the cool person act just doesn't work with the kids. So, I'll just tell you now. I started investigating when I realized that this was clearly something rotten at the Cross Company, and that it was based out of Manu's. started investigating strange happenings, because, of course, you don't develop a drink like this overnight. It takes time. Looked for the past 15 years, anything weird happening. You know what's kind of weird? When a prominent local journalist goes missing for no apparent reason. I did a little bit of digging. It's never a good sign when reporters start to vanish. I went to her old newspaper, the, Manu- the Manu's Minute, but they didn't have any of her notes. I little, did a little more digging. Figured out that the notes had been taken by the police. And that one officer in particular had delivered the notes to a P.O. box owned by none other than Cross Company Labs. I don't know what your mom was working on, but whatever she was working on when she disappeared, someone at the Cross Company was real interested why I came by the funeral parlor today. Wanted to get a look at the family, make sure you all were doing okay. Looks like you're doing just fine. Then she looks at uh, Joe and she's like, shame about you though. Take another drag. (laughs) Have you seen my mother? No, sadly. I, I don't know if she's still with us, but I suspect 
that the answer may lie in that bag. And she gestures towards the bag that you're holding. She's like, the thermos uh, Prohaska gave you. It's in there, isn't it? Jenna nods and then puts her hand out towards Jamie. Like, give me the key. Jamie thinks for a moment and then... I elbow you to make your decision faster. While you're thinking, Buck, did you have anything to throw out? Point of clarification. I I recall that Kim was given um, the glowing water at the time, but no one has actually consumed it yet, correct? Mm -hmm. No one has consumed it. Got it. Okay. That's all. It was just clarification. All right. Hmm. Maxine, uh, Mm -hmm. you have to be... understand where I'm coming from. I can't just allow a child to drink a glowing... Everything you said makes sense, but I can't allow her to drink. My, my sister says that she wants us to help find her mom, but I... You have to help me here. I don't understand what is gonna happen. Well, if it's anything like what I drank, I'm guessing she would have access to some kind of psionic powers and Perhaps even whatever information source Prohaska seemed to have. He seemed to know a lot of things that he shouldn't have known. Is that something that we want? I kind of like turn like to directly towards Maxine and I'm like, is that something that we want her to have? Powers? Well, she's, she's kind of My suggestion would be this. Jamie, this is that scene in the movie when the douchebag brother gets in the way. So maybe don't. I think this is the part of the movie where the one person who's going to survive the movie makes a pragmatic decision. Either way, the next act is she drinks the glowing water. You know what I've never seen in a movie? A scene where everybody drinks the glowing water. (gasps) What? Uh, Yeah, I I I was going to say, Jamie... It's really clear to me now that Jenna's got some stuff going on with their mom, which I'm really sorry about, by the way. Uh, and I feel like if she wants to drink the water for that, she should be able to make that decision herself. And I... I want to drink it, too. How, because how? life in this town is just... It's just a dead-end alleyway, and if that drink can open up our minds and show us some answers about what's happening here, I, I, I want to know them. It came in a thermos. This is basically a, a winter hot chocolate ready yeah, to go. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's a, like a hot it's, chocolate. It's a potentially radioactive chemical. That, how am I the responsible an adult here? We have an adult. You're not an adult, Jamie. God. Hey, I, how about we split the difference, bro? You just drink it last. And then if something terrible happens, you can warn everybody else. While this conversation's going on, Jenna's gone back around where, like, the de- like I'm imagining the cashier is back there, and there's probably a pair of scissors or something <laughs> in the back. <laughs> Bolt cutters. <laughs> yeah, yes, she's absolutely. Cut this bag open. Yeah, 100%. You just hear, 100%. I think, like, a, a moment of silence happens as Buck says that, and you just hear, like, a 
scissor going through. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe as like the, the fabric uh, cutting noise happens, Jin turns from Jenna and actually like starts to like get between Jenna and Jamie. If Jamie would like try to physically stop Jenna or something, uh, and Jin just kind of says like very impassionated. We've seen tonight that adults don't always know what's right. Those were adults shooting everyone with tranks. Those were adults gutting down Dr. Prohaska. So maybe adults, maybe being an adult isn't something we should always try to do all the time. Maybe it takes a group of kids to figure out what's really going on here. I mean, first off, you're like super powered. You didn't really need the speech to convince me not to try anything. You could beat me up so easy. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I can't stop her. So fine. But I don't know if I'm gonna want. I'm not gonna drink the glowy thing. I'm, I, I'm like looking around, like even at the bullies, like somebody has to be on my <laughs> side here. <laughs> uh, Buck, did you have anything to jump in? With? I was just gonna say, hey, no peer pressure. You do what you like, Jamie. But you do raise an interesting point. Somebody was tranquilizing those kids, which means they took them somewhere, and I called the cops from my car, and they probably are going to figure out we came here pretty quick. So whatever we're going to do, we should probably do it. All right. Uh, Joe also sort of steps, like, snapping out of his uh, reverie for a moment. He he looks and he's like, uh, squirt, looking at, uh, looking at Jenna. He's like, Squirt, are you sure about this? Jenna pulls out the the glowy thermos um, and says, if it'll help us find mom, then yes. (sighs) That's what I like to hear. Uh, And then again, she continues. She says, I would suggest not drinking it all in one sitting. Seemed like Prohaska wanted all of you to drink it. Might be best to split it. Takes another drag. Uh, and looks ar- around at the group. Uh, Jenna, do you go ahead and take a... Do you take a drink? Um, before she opens the lid, she says, Do you know where that P.O. box is? Yep. We get out of this. I'll take you there myself. Deal. She opens it up, and she will... She just takes a deep sigh and chugs a little. Okay. And then hands it. Uh- all right, you. Who do you hand it to? I guess whoever's closest to me, Jin. I'm guessing because yeah, you said you stood Jin, in front. Yeah, Jin, Jin yeah. seemed enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. Jin, you take a sip. Yes, Jin looks into the glowing liquid, takes a deep breath, and then just takes a big swig, like it's gross, like protein powder shake. Just think that it's vanilla bean, vanilla bean, vanilla bean. <laughs> do protein and hands it off. Tastes good. What are you talking about? Uh, Jamal will take it for a moment and be like. I don't know if it's good for me to drink this. Uh, does anybody else want it? Because I can oh. jump in on this if. if... No. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll I'll take it to the dome here. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow. Buck <laughs> 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 uh, takes a swig. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Kimberly as, as seeing this? Yeah, I'll go next, and I just turn to Jamie as I hold it, and I say, "You'll always be my hero," but. I have to be able to protect myself sometimes. And I take a sip. And Jamie, seeing that the whole group, uh, barring Joe and Jamal, have taken a sip, what do you do in this moment? Um, I'll, like, for a moment, just before 
uh, Kimberly drinks it, I like almost take a step forward and then I like close my eyes. Uh, and I, th- I think I'll reach out my hand to Kimberly once she's done. Okay. Okay. I'll hold. I'll I'll pass it to you. Uh, and I'll take it and like sit there with it like raised a bit and just sort of watch specifically Jenna since she was first. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I'll wait uh, and see if anything immediately happens. Yeah. Jenna's I also think... waiting to see if something's going to happen. I think from the moment, I think there's like a moment, uh, what you would see, I think from everybody who drinks is like, there's like a momentary lapse where they're just sort of like, okay, yeah, I'm functioning. And then there's like a, huh. And they just sort of stop. They don't really even say anything. They just sort of stop for a moment. And I think everybody who has drank at this point is sort of like, like they look transfixed, sort of a thousand yard stare, but mentally transfixed. I will just say one thing. As this is starting to happen, you do Buck says, I've never done drugs. Like, I don't know what to expect. And I, and then just like, look <laughs> as you say that, Jin will just be like, I thought you smoked pot every day. And like, come in <laughs> I, I imagine the scene is made all the more weird because the VHS is still paused, so it's doing that like two frame like flicker yeah. back and forth. So I'm just watching all of these people zone out as just the light is going like flickering back and forth. Uh, you hear in the back, brings me back to my days in Nam. You need to. S- <sighs> This is the coolest NPC ever. <laughs> uh, Jamie, what do you do as you hold the flask? I think I'm still going to wait. Like, I Let me check when Scanners right. came out. <laughs> I don't think it has come out yet. I, I, well, <laughs> no, I'm just waiting to see been, if you guys get Scanners. <laughs> I legit have been Googling movie releases just to be like, are these pop references? He <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I have, I think, multiple tabs open of various <laughs> genres of movies in the year to release. Uh, but while you're looking that up, uh, everyone who has taken a sip, I think after like a few moments, it's like, okay, things are normal. And then suddenly you become acutely aware that you are not the only person in this room. Like you could visually see everyone, but now it's like you feel everyone else in the room. And and you also become acutely aware that you are not the only person inside of your own heads. I think a chorus of voices begins to, like, rise up, uh, some of which you could swear you recognize for a moment, but it's just like a cacophony, and you can't even make out what all the different voices are saying until that cacophony starts to oscillate, and, like, the million voices starts to form words. Uh, and each Each of you hears, hello, it's a pleasure to finally meet you. And like there's, I think it's like in your mind, you feel a presence observing you and interacting with you. And at the same time as this happens, I think all of you can feel each other's feelings as this voice washes over you. Um, You said we're not alone? Yes, you are not alone. Well, each of you, I think you become mentally aware of every single person in the room in a way that is like, you could look at them and hear them, but now it's like you feel, feel them. them. So but you said, so, is, is there anybody else like besides Yes, us? there is a presence inside of your minds okay. collectively. I think and it's Jenna not, yeah, go will ahead. look up into the air, like up, because if that's, if that's the feeling, it's not like a person that I can feel in a space. It's just like 
mm. eminence or omnipresent or something. I think she looks. Yeah, it's. Up. I, I imagine it's like over your shoulder almost, like oh, a voice just sitting then, on your shoulder. And she talking. turns around like very casually and is just like, "Nice to meet you. Who are you?" We like to call ourselves Myriad, though we have been given many names. Do I hear the response? Also? Yes. Like, do everyone, hear everyone the response? hears. Yes, everyone hears what Jenna says in response to this, as well as the response. God, God, I don't think that's God. <laughs> Not exactly. We have a Jiminy Cricket. I remember that reference. And you hear like a section of voices be like, I remember that reference. Isn't this the plot of that old people movie, Cocoon, that just came out? <laughs> uh, you hear, um, you hear, I am not exactly God. I am a collection. A collection of millions and I think it's you start to like see images each of you who have drank start to see not just uh, not just like the room in front of you but you start to like get flashes of memories that are not yours uh, but memories that you recognize because some of them are like events that you were present for but not from your own perspective uh, they start to be like some of them, you can see yourselves doing things, and in a few cases, you even see glimpses of things from your own perspectives. And it appears that you're being shown a collage of different memories just cycling by uh, in your minds. And that this continues until it settles on a set of memories that I think you intrinsically know are those of Dr. Prohaska. And you see Dr. Prohaska, and it's like, you, in this moment, you are Dr. Prohaska. And you are working for cross company and it's like you see it's almost like a montage of doctor of of them uh examining uh doing like research on you know various resources before somebody realizes that there is in fact an underground reservoir of glowing water and it's like oh the legends right yeah they start to do some tests they're like whoa it's bioluminescence caused by microorganisms you know what we should sell these they got those 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 uh sea monkeys out there why don't we get like some shimmer pets something out there you know it's the it's the best look the sea monkeys can't glow but it continues from there to like wait with increased tests they start to realize there is like energy being emitted from the collective of these microorganisms and the more the more research they start to do, the more they realize that like this energy seems to have the possibility, uh, excuse me, the ability to affect mood. Uh, like the scientists who are studying it, and I think uh, Kimberly and uh, well, Kimberly, you remember your you see your mom in these memories and like working on the stuff, and then you remember when like during that period when she would come home and just be weirdly moody from time to time, or sometimes really like uh, on cloud nine, and other times just like really malleable. And it seems as though well, it seems as though this this energy has the ability to influence people's minds and the more research that is done the more they start to think wait this could be useful and i think there's a moment where dr prohaska uh you see dr prohaska and 
Kimberly, your mom, Mrs. Patterson, uh, working on this, being like, this could be incredible. Like, we could send this. We could sell this to the intelligence community. The Soviets wouldn't know what hit them. What, what if we can hit the Kremlin with this and suddenly we could end the Cold War? We could shut down the whole Soviet Union. And that's what they're working towards. But uh, you then see, you hear, rather, of an incident. Uh, they, like, it's an incident that Dr. Prohaska was not present for, but he heard that someone apparently perished. There was something that went wrong and someone died uh, in the actual experimentation chamber, which at this point is underground. And it has to get moved and things become a lot more secret. And you start, you see as Dr. Prohaska and uh, Mrs. Patterson are being driven harder and harder to try and work on this, to try and develop it. Uh, there's more and more secrecy, more and more strange people in suits and lab coats showing up to investigate their work and oversee. It, the, it starts to, the question of where exactly is this research going to go starts to form. Is there any indication of a passage of time? Like when we're seeing oh, these, yes. I mean, do they have like thick 70 sideburns? You know, <laughs> does this look? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, they discovered this stuff in like 1970 ish okay. and then spent the next few years developing it before there was that weird disaster that had occurred that forced them to move their uh, to force them to move their facility, their research facility. Uh, and you can see is like, the, yeah, the, the glasses change shape. The hair gets shorter uh, in various spots. <laughs> Uh, the the parties got a little bit less wild, uh, or a little bit more wild in some cases. Uh, they, we see that first and, memory. He's like, "What?" Yeah, there are a lot of there's a lot of experiments with like psychotropics and like right. and uh, psychedelics as well. Like there there are definitely people using this stuff with like with LSD. It does not go well. Uh, they, mm. uh, but eventually, come the eighties. Uh, at this point, you start to recognize the version of Dr. Prohaska that you saw. Like, if that Dr. Prohaska was to shave and get cleaned up, it's like, ah, that's the guy. Um, you see that he is working with this stuff when one day he accidentally, look, guy wasn't really following PPE. He was exhausted. He spills a little bit of it on his hand. And suddenly he becomes aware that this is not just like an energy field. This is an intelligence. This is a being or a collective of beings, an entity that seems to be composed of energy that has like absorbed the memories of all of the people within He's not sure exactly how many miles of a radius, but at least within Manu's, the Manu's area. Uh, and I think from there, he becomes convinced that what is happening is, is ultimately unethical. They can't keep experimenting on this is, this is a being. It was one thing when it was just, oh, a bunch of microorganisms, but it, it, it's not acceptable. And he starts to try and dissent. And that's when he is disappeared. Uh, but. He has not disappeared before managing to hide away a sample of uh, what they have been calling biosci. Bio spelled B-I-O and then P-S-I. Biosci. That's what the that's what the uh, the suits and the scientists have been calling it. Uh, he manages to to sneak away some biosci, which he ingests in private, and next thing he knows. He has developed psychic powers and he blasts his way out of there and goes into hiding for weeks. 
And he's, it's like a weird loneliness that settles over him because this collective consciousness is is used to being around people all the time, always being in contact with other minds, but being isolated in these caves was torture. It, it kind of cracked him a little bit. Uh, and then I think you like it all the way, it leads all the way up to the moment when he sees all of you. And in that cave, as he's like, as, as the people have found him earlier that evening, the, the guards have finally tracked him down. They're shooting at him. He blasts some of them, but not before he gets hit. He runs, he's like staggers down the cave, sees all of you, immediately contacts your minds and immediately feels the entity itself, Myriad, respond and call out in recognition of each of you. There are, there are memories in here and even consciousnesses of people who have gone on who recognize you all. And I think that, that you at this moment understand that Myriad, in recognizing each of you, was hoping that you all could stop what is currently happening. And I think at this point, it's, it changes back into Myriad's voice. And you hear, please, I will give you power if you agree to help me. I don't need Please, power. we have to stop them. I just I'll need take to find power. My um, so uh, Jenna says, I don't need power. I just need to find my mother. As you say that, you feel a very familiar consciousness rise forward. Uh, and you hear, I've been right here, sweetie. I'm so sorry. I wish that I could have been with you, but... And you start to see, like, I think it's as she's saying this, you see her having received a tip that there was something a little fishy going on with some illegal, like, experimentation, some kind of illegal underground site that the uh, cross company had. And she's like, well, she's been a, she's been a long time, uh, she's, for, rather, she's, for a long time, she's been in favor of exposing any sort of corporate malfeasance. Uh, the cross company is no different. They're a huge corporation. They're, of course, up to some sinister stuff. She goes to investigate, and she sees that facility, the underground facility in the caves. Uh, and sees all of this glowing water and people like blasting it with various like energies, radiation, different things. She goes to investigate it and try to get a sample. But as she's getting it, you hear, hey, hey, what are you doing? She stands up, immediately slips and falls into the water, at which point she becomes transfixed in much the same way that you are right now. And it's one thing to be transfixed while you're standing in a video store. It's a big problem if you're transfixed when you are fully submerged in water. And unfortunately, before the the cross-company officials were able to remove her, she drowned in the pool. And I think in that moment, it intersects. Dr. Prohaska comes to work, hears about a disaster happening in the night before. They have to relocate their labs. Uh, and th as you, like, see all how all of these different memories and lives are interconnecting, uh, you she again says, I'm so sorry. I wanted to come home to you. But just know, I've been with you every step of the way. You and your brother. I think... Jenna doesn't show a lot of emotion, but she, and she still doesn't have a lot of emotion that's shown on her face, but you just see like a tear kind of rolled on her face and she just says, what do we need to do? You need to stop whatever it is they're doing. They've been experimenting on us 
They plan to use us for something. I think they plan to use us to control the populace. How do we They've stop already them? taken... Expose them the way I would have done it. If you can find evidence of what they're doing and prove it, you can expose the whole operation. What's in the P.O. box? I think the P.O. box might be empty, sweetie. I think it was put there so that it could be retrieved. By but who? it would have been my notes. A cross-company official, someone with the labs. Odds are they've already destroyed it. Hey, so Myriad, you said you have many names. That's very clever. That's what Myriad means. Many. Hey, I got the solution, all right? My man Bernard slips some of this glow water in my dad's coffee. He gets his eyes open. There's your inside man. Boom, we blow the doors off this thing. We have it fixed in the morning. <laughs> she re- she responds, or uh, really, they respond, because uh, Myriad's pronouns are they and we. So uh, Myriad responds, uh, I am not in favor of dominating anyone. I do not wish to control. I have the power to influence, but I do not wish to force anyone to make any decisions. Dr. Prohaska did not realize the full extent of what his company was doing. Whereas, and you see like brief glimpses of your father's memories where he sees notes on the reports of what what is being done and you feel him think, yeah, this is the way to go. And it pulls back and you say, are you here? Your father does know. Uh, Jamie, you are currently standing <laughs> yeah. there. Have you, have you drank anything or are you, so are you just have, like watching people? Like, like, <laughs> I, have an, I have a fully above table question for you, storyteller. Yes. Would having a character in the party that has not drank this like hinder you in such a way that it wouldn't be a good story? In any way. No, you are absolutely free uh, not to not to drink okay. if you do not wish to. And it would not hinder anything. OK, good. Because Jamie's one of Jamie's main flaws is that he is dogmatic and he mm-hmm. is the fully of the stance that he didn't think anyone should drink it, let alone uh, his sister or himself. Uh, and standing here for what feels like a solid five, 10 minutes, just watching everybody like staring off into the distance, occasionally look at their shoulders and talk to someone that's not there, uh, (laughs) sort of solidifies that. So Mm -hmm. I think while this is all happening, Maxine would hear the sound of a liquid being spilled onto the floor as Jamie pours the remainder of this out and on the floor whoa okay uh so jamie pours it out onto the ground which is absolutely a valid move uh i respect it i respect you for playing i could have drank uh, the that floor. jamie <laughs> 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 got it. uber juiced yes i absolutely respect you for uh for playing the flaw um I will still include you in what's about to happen because what's about to happen is a new mechanic is being introduced, everyone. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with Kids on Bikes, Kids on Bikes has a mechanic whereby you can have a powered character who is shared amongst the party. 
So what I am going to do is give each of you two characteristics that you can use to influence uh, the behavior of this powered character. The powered character, of course, being Myriad and sort of by proxy, everyone who has drank. Um, the, so uh, what I need first is, Jamie, I will let you roll first. I need you to roll a d10, and that will determine which characteristics you receive. This whole time, I thought that maybe Matumba was the powered character. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, waiting for it. She's so bad. Yeah, she's already. She's already. Yeah, she's already. She's got her already thing powered going. up, man. It's true. Yeah. Uh, what? Go ahead and roll a d10, uh, Jamie, and tell me what you get. That's a two. <laughs> okay. So the two traits that you receive, and one of these is going to be a personality trait, and the other one is a psychic power. And essentially what is happening here is every single time uh, something the Myriad or someone who uh, has imbibed Myriad encounters a scenario where one of these could come into play, whether or not your character is directly involved, you can normally this would be these would be cards that I would hand out, but we're playing this <laughs> remotely. So simply raise your hand and say the word sideways. Uh, and that will then you can indicate which of the traits you are adding and you can essentially hand over narrative control uh, to whoever is uh, controlling Myriad at that point and Myriad can make a decision. Uh, so the two traits that you have, Jamie, are the personality trait perfect memory and the psychic power uh, able to communicate telepathically with people. Ooh. So I will put these in the chat um let's see that's what jamie has we will go from there we'll just go in order of who was introduced then so the next person would be oh go ahead buck yes. I'm, I'm not clear on this so it's if there's a time that perfect memory or telepathy might be useful any of us can call an audible but kelly controls myriad doing it just I'm, I'm uh, making actually, sure I understand the mechanic of, of, of what's happening. Here. Yes, it's actually the reverse. So Kelly can call an audible and then pass over narrative control of Myriad specifically to whoever is involved in that scene. Does that make sense? So if if Buck, who has drank, was talking to, say, uh, I don't know, some random Joe Schmo and was like, I oh I feel like I know this guy, uh, then J uh, Kelly could be like. Uh, sideways, perfect memory. <laughs> and and then you would be able to narrate how Myriad's collection of memories gleaned from everybody in Manus might be able to then uh, help you with that task. Got it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Nice. Sorry. Okay. Clarification. Thank All you. All right. No problem. It is slightly confusing, but also very cool. Uh, so, Buck, your personality trait for Myriad is good at reading people. And your psychic power is the ability to create false memories. Uh, Jin, your personality trait for Myriad is never wants to be alone. And the power is able to create illusions. Uh, so again, if there's a situation where creating false memories could be useful or a desire to never want to be alone might impact Myriad's behavior or choices and as they might affect each of you that I, you can absolutely jump in. I love the fact that this character could not be further away from Victor and I'm still messing with people's memories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you sure that's what happened? <laughs> Once a vampire, never a vampire. Or always a vampire, rather. No, no, never. Uh, you said it right the first time. They yeah, don't exist. Never. 
Hey, Uh, going back to the top of the order, it is uh, Margaret, a.k.a. Jenna. The traits that you get are outgoing and able to fire bursts of energy uh, from their hands. So anyone who has imbibed Myriad gets the ability to fire bursts of energy from their hands if Myriad acquiesces. Uh, And finally, uh, Char, a.k.a. Kimberly, you get fascinated by shiny objects. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you, I think uh, Myriad feels an intrinsic kinship with anything that glows or shines and an ability to communicate telepathically with animals Ooh, Ooh. brain talking with everything not trees yeah. though damn no that was on the oh. list but I was like mm, you we're gonna go with animals you can talk to Clyde <gasps> it's true, it's true. Oh, all of you can yeah. talk to Clyde theoretically oh, yeah. anyone can, can talk, talk to, to Clyde. Clyde oh yeah it's true. Sweet. Clyde's just like that harness is metal as fuck. Clyde's with it. us right now. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Sideways, able to communicate telepathically with animals. Ooh. Uh, yeah. It, whoever wants to, I think Jenna in this moment, if you want to, as you are, I don't know if, you, if you're if you feeling, uh, how you're feeling emotionally, because obviously it's some Jenna's pretty heavy revelations about your mom. Vengeance. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, you can talk to Clyde if you want to. <laughs> it's entirely up to you as part of this. Because uh, Clyde is absolutely like sitting, I think, still, sitting still safely hidden away where you'd put them last. Yeah, I think that she just kind of looks at Clyde and says, activate mission. Uh, all of the hairs on Clyde stand up. Uh, you see Clyde stands up, like waves some of their uh, some of the legs and just is like, ha, like starts fist pumping the air with their little legs. <laughs> Mission report. <laughs> oh my gosh, I should have given a little of the juice to Clyde. <laughs> oh. He's very much on the ground. Uh, I think as this is happening, jumping out back to Jamie, uh, you you hear uh, you hear Matumbo say, hmm, "Strong decision. I respect it." I listen. I appreciate whatever is happening here, but. I stand by and I look down at the ground and see the like glowing probably on like the linoleum floor and mm-hmm. I'm like thinking about how that's not going to absorb into the ground I'm going to have to clean that up <laughs> exactly Jamie uh, Jamie we're hearing voices I know that's pro- uh, that's one of the reasons I didn't drink it it's it hasn't it, they have a name uh, and I think Jin would just like kind of info dump so Jamie just knows at the table what is happening and what's mm-hmm. been going on. It just gives you all the information. Just that listening we've been to you as I'm mopping the floor. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's like someone in the middle of a trip being like, and then there was a glowy thing, and then all the memories came together, and then we were one, and then there was a drowning, and then we yeah. were inside Jin, of Guatemala. take this water. Jin, take this water. Oh yeah. Make sure yeah. to hydrate. And Jin just pours the water like onto their shoulder and keeps talking. <laughs> yeah. And then Myriad is really cool and I really like him. And and then we saw Jenna's Jenna's and then Jin's eyes brim with tears. They just immediately start watering and like sobs start spilling down their cheeks as they remember Jenna's mom falling into the water and dying. And I think as that memory comes up for them, it comes up in the collective consciousness too, maybe. Because I feel like we're still like all connected, right? So yeah. as Jin's yeah, emotions emotion. are flaring. That's like, like, yeah, she was, I mean, she doesn't express her emotion very much because of 
her situation, but uh, she definitely is crying, and that's like really strange for her. So if you guys are feeling mm-hmm. that emotion, it yeah. is. It starts off with as crying and and feeling sad, but then the the secondary emotion is anger. Mm. Mm. I think like Jin is feeling every iota of that emotion well up in themselves, and they actually turn physically, still pouring the water down their shoulder. Like the bottle hasn't finished yet. They turn to look at you. They're like tears just streaming down their face, and they're saying through sobs. Jenna, I I don't know if you can see this too, but the day your mom died, I I could see myself in the memory nexus. I was I was crying too. But it was it wasn't about your mom or anything like that. It was about something stupid. It was about Joe and the team and bullies and something so small and stupid and trite in comparison. But I I saw myself. In the myriad, Jenna, while I saw your mother and you and all the pain you're feeling right now, my own memories, my own feelings all tied up in this big bundle of everything. And I I wasn't crying about your mom. I wasn't. I didn't know. How could I have? How could you have? But maybe we are all connected. And I'm not just saying this because we drank a bunch of drugs and there's like a glowy myriad thing talking to us. But I, I mean that seriously, even without Biosci, maybe we are all of us. And Jin kind of like stumbles forward and grabs onto like grabs onto Buck, like sort of paws at Jenna, like paws at Kimberly, paws at Jamie, too. Even Matumba, <laughs> if Maxine will let them. Jenna does, <laughs> yeah, does she not just like sort of touching. She walks over to be pawed at. <laughs> She's like, you're having a rough time. Go ahead. Yeah, all of us are connected we're all just connected and i my whole life i thought maybe i'm just destined to be alone forever but maybe that's not the case maybe none of us are supposed to be alone maybe maybe we're all just supposed to be together maybe that's just how it is maybe uh, i think as as i'll go ahead go ahead uh jenna maybe i also have never felt connected to anyone now you feel, I feel connected to your mom. That's why you're looking for her, right? Yes. But she's my mother. She gave birth to me. Yeah, but that's not why people care about each other, right? And my mom gave birth to me, and I... I mean, I know she loves me, but she doesn't get me. I, well, Joe, she died when I was little. I never got to know her. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Buck. Buck kind of hasn't said anything since this talking about death and grief has come up. And I actually would like to uh, call the first sideways. I just say it. Mm-hmm. I want Joe to remember his mother died years ago. Him having a false memory. He knows she's dead. He's known she's dead for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you, uh, you, like in i think your desire influences myriad and describe for me what it looks like as this power emanates from buck toward joe in this moment to to be clear do i narrate it or do i turn it over to them for someone else to narrate i just want to make sure i'm, uh, I'm, doing, this I'm doing this case, right mm-hmm. in this particular case because it's like a scene that you're there for and you mm-hmm. are very much involved i would let you narrate it if it was like bucks away and and you know not even in the scene but joe is still in the scene and you're like oh i want joe to have this then you could turn it over to whoever was in the scene one last piece of clarification um everything jenna is saying you're saying this out loud right jenna like we're not like psychic talking yeah, like yeah, you're she's saying, saying it out loud 
when this is saying, and, and Connie's sort of like pawing at Buck and everything, and he just sort of doesn't resist. She's they're much stronger than him, so he's like <laughs> kind of like rocking around while while they're pawing at him. But he turns and looks at Joe, and Joe hears Jenna say, "I've never been connected to anyone," and in his mind, he remembers being in the house with their two fathers and they're all crying and holding each other in a much smaller Jenna doesn't take the hug. And he even reaches for her to give her the hug and she kind of pulls away a little bit. And he just remembers the three of them being unconsolable crying and Jenna sort of separating herself mm-hmm. in his mind. And is that the false memory that he receives? Yes. Or- oh, okay. My uh, intent I- being, she's just to do with this what you will. My intent is Joe won't hurt right now. It's almost like retroactively he's been hurt. So this realization that mom's dead, is like, of course mom's dead. You know what I mean? That like he's not about to go through what she's going through is the intent. Oh, yeah. And I think you see Joe sort of like, oh, like I think his, his whole demeanor changes and you see like his eyes as his face sort of goes slack. Tears just start to pour from his eyes as he's staring and he's like, oh, uh, and he looks up at, at Jenna and he says, Jenna, I'm so I'm so sorry. I I wish I could be there for you, but I, I don't know. I'm 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 not good at like feelings and, and I'm I'm you didn't want to hug. Can I help you? Is there a way for me to help you to be there for you? And like it's like a weird, it's a whole different Joe, as if like for in a moment, like te- thirteen years of history is like sort of like ah, shifted in his mind to where he now thinks, oh, we lost, we didn't just lose our mother, she died, we know she died, and my little sister has been isolated throughout all of this, and she has some friends her own age, but. I, her big brother, who should have been the one who was there for her the most, was not there for them. Uh, and so he looks, and I think you even feel this, because even though your minds are, even as your minds are connected, you can feel emotions wafting from other people in the room. And I think you feel all of, you feel that memory change, uh, Jenna, and you feel the change in your brother as he looks at you, tears pouring down his face. I think Jenna cries a little bit more too, just like the tears rolling down, but her facial expression's not necessarily sharing that. And she just says, it's okay. I'm not good at my emotions either. I didn't know what happened. Maybe you didn't either. And I guess you dealt with it how you had to. But we need to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever we have to do. I'm here to help. You just lead the way and I'll, I'll support you. And then he looks away. He's like, what God, what am I saying? Uh, and he looks around. <laughs> just like, like, Joe Dang. has never been this emotionally vulnerable before yeah. ever. <laughs> uh, he, you feel that there's like, I feel uh, like a little, like the little Dutch boy. Uh, you feel that Joe is trying to like stick his fingers in this <laughs> dam of emotions that he's only ever let out in like the forms of aggression and like co- competition and and well, pretty much just aggression and competition uh, and occasional camaraderie, but all still founded on competition and aggression. Um, so you could feel like a dam ready to burst in him at this moment. Uh, Jamie, what are you doing? Sideways. <laughs> So I think um, I'm going to use able to communicate telepathically. And I think that the way this manifests is as Jin is like 
pawing at everybody, they get to Jamie and like hear like a scoff. Uh, but Jamie like is just stoic, like basically like f- f- how every time that he's getting bullied, this is like the face that he gives. Uh, but Jin would hear like a audible scoff uh, in his head and almost like normal human memories of things. Uh, shots of like Jin hanging out and like flickers of Jin being cool. And then like the friend, like their friends come in and start bullying Jamie and almost like a resonating echo of like a recur, like a memory, like repeating uh, Jin would hear Jamie thinking, you're not alone because you're destined to be alone. You're alone because you surround yourself by people who isolate you. You, at some point you were cool. You, I liked talking to you. You like horror movies. You like a lot of the same genres that I, I do. And I don't know, kind of hot. Um, but like you, you weren't pushing other people away. You were letting other people push people away from you. And that's, honestly, that's kind of weak. Like, your whole personality is strong and, and, uh, and lifting heavy things, but it was weak to let other people push people away for you. And, like, almost that, like, no duh while you're saying, like, I, I'm, we're all meant to be connected. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, I love my sister. I, I love my friends. Buck is, like, a brother to me, but you never gave anyone an opportunity to get close to you because you surrounded yourself. And then like mind like starts showing more of those images of like just progressively being bullied, even up to this day of like getting a medicine ball thrown at Jamie's face and then called like a weasel and stuff. Uh, And that just sort of like loops and repeats in Jamie's mind as all this revelation is happening. Uh, Jin like kind of freezes in zero tracks at, at that. And they just kind of like look at you, Jamie, even though you haven't said anything out loud. They look at you with an expression on your face that you're like, are they reading my mind? Nah, that's impossible. Wait, fuck. <laughs> they drank like a juice elixir for eight Like, and <laughs> yeah, Jin like freezes in front of you and just stares at you uh, with that like kind of blank look some like really high people get sometimes when they're just like totally completely zoned and out of it. And then flashing into their eyes is an intense kind of awareness. Like they were really high and then they're here. Like, Jin is here. Jin isn't, like, loopy high Jin anymore. Jin is here and has heard everything you've said and has comprehended it. Sideways. Uh, And I'm going to call on illusions. uh, As I think the myriad can feel Jin's emotions, this shared grief that they had got from Jenna that had undammed uh, that volley of just pure insecurity and anger and grief that is not their own, but also their own. And now that the dam has broken and the river of feelings is flowing, like it just gushes out from Jin and therefore from Myriad in like a swell of mist, I think, that just like surrounds this room and washes away the video store and reveals I think a montage of Jin's life like we see little baby Jin in like a playhouse like a playroom in like a preschool uh, the Manu's preschool by themselves in one corner playing with some blocks and we hear like some teachers in the back talking to their parents being like like 
this kid is not smart. Like, this kid is behind in letters, is behind in math, is behind in everything. They're scared they're going to have to hold Jin back, like, a few years, unless they, like, really, like, struggle to keep up. And then we cut to Jin in, like, elementary school, and we see them getting tests back. Ds, Cs, Ds, Cs, Fs, Fs, Fs. Like, taking extra classes, all this stuff. It, like, it just doesn't click. And, like, them staying behind, their only friend uh, was Jamal. Right? Like, through all this mm-hmm. stuff, we, like, didn't care that Jin didn't have anything. But, like, Jin was just so focused on, like, having to make a future for themselves. And we see, like, as, like, the mist washes by again, like, them with their parents uh, in, like, a, a living room. And now they're in middle school. And their parents are saying, like, you know, like, we immigrated to this country to find you a better life. And you're squandering it. And, like, you need to make something of your life or, like, you're going to be stuck here forever and you're not going to ever be anything. So you need to study. You need to find something you're good at or you're not worth anything. And, like, that phrase just keeps rotating through their mind. But they're so bad at everything they try until the first day when they're 11 years old. They pick up a barbell for the first time. Like, mist washes by and we see them in a gym. They're scrawny as hell. Like, you're, like much scrawnier than right now. They kind of look like a bunch of twigs stuck onto a big, slightly bigger <laughs> twig. They're walking around. They, like, get underneath a bench, and then they do it, and it feels easy, and they put extra plates on it, and they keep doing it, and people are like, this skinny little twig can lift this much weight, and they keep doing it and doing it, and now it's a montage of them in the gym, of them getting buff, them finally looking into the mirror and seeing, like, liking what they see, them finally meeting Joe, like, who's, like, this cool kid that everyone likes, and finally, now that Jin's friends with this cool kid, they people finally start looking at them, and then we see Jamal, I think, in the corner, getting pulled farther and farther and farther away from Jin as Jin sort of turns their back on the one friend that was there for them before they were worth anything to anyone else. And then we see Jin in high school now, right? Like this refrain repeating through their head, like, I'm not smart like the smart kids. And we see a flash of Kimberly. Like, I'm not brave like the kids who march to the beat of their own drum. And we see a flash of Jenna. Like, I'm not, you know, mysterious and cool and, like, super smart and go with the wind like those kids. And we see, like, Buck flashing in front. And then a flash of Buck in the fucking Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, I'm not rich either. <laughs> and, like, we just see, like, the butler and stuff, too. And then we actually even see a flash of Jamie. Like, I'm not even confident in myself. Like, Jamie, confident enough to know what I want to have a job. Confident enough to not let those bullies get to me and we see now the same memory of the bullies in the video store but from Jin's perspective like feeling those different emotions of like wishing they had the courage to stand up against it but like not being able to and after Joe and the bullies leave uh an image of them looking at Jamie and a feeling of like jealousy flaring up in their chest of being like even though Jamie takes the shit all the time they're still doing it they haven't stopped liking movies they haven't stopped working at the movie story they're still doing it they're not letting people like Joe determine who they are and then the final flash is just like an image like of like Jin completely alone and this like feeling of like I don't even have friends who will be there to catch me if I fall like I'm alone I'm alone and like that's sort of like the last thing before the the video store comes back. As like the 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 illusion sort of dies away, you hear a voice from behind you, uh, in the same position that he was in when you turned your back on him in that memory. Jamal says, "You were never alone. You could have. All you had to do was say the word, and we could have been friends again. Like." You were always, 
you were always really cool. You, you, you always felt like you didn't have, like you couldn't be as much as other people, like you didn't have as much as other people, like you weren't worth as much as other people, but you were worth a lot to me. You were my friend. You were my best friend. And he looks at you and he says, I didn't know you felt that way. And it really hurt when you turned away from me like that. I... I guess... I guess if you wanted, we could, like, talk about it. You know? I... I I would really like that, Jamal. And I'm... Sorry for never telling you and for turning my back on our friendship. I just... I guess I... I guess I was just not brave enough uh you hear joe like i'm not brave enough Oz! <laughs> i'm not brave enough uh and like there's like a like the dam finally shatters after seeing that and he's like i was never he looks at you and he's like you're so nice and you really care about people and you make people care about you and i can't make people care about me except unless they're scared of me or they think i'm cool or i'm the biggest and the strongest and so i had to be you know i had to be the biggest and the strongest but but you you're even stronger than me and people still love you you're so cool Haas I wish I could be like you <laughs> just full <laughs> ugly crying oh my god Joe jo- Joe okay I, uh, um... I'm squirting from my eyes <laughs> I am a squirt I'm the biggest squirt uh, just tears just blowing hands him some kind of napkin or something <laughs> uh, y- you know Joe there was a time when I all I wanted to do was wish I had the courage one day to 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 call you a a a a, a, a dick for spines or 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 an absolute asshole or a douchebag or a fuckface or just a an ab, just a, a total jerk I but, do that daily Yeah and you're fucking he badass does. for that Jenna <laughs> Oh my god I had no idea Wow like I feel like the power dynamics here are anyway but seeing you like this, I I don't know. I think blowing up at you wouldn't make me feel very good at all. But I guess I can understand where you're coming from. And I... I Joe, after all of this, we're gonna need to have a long, like, serious talk, too. And I... I want to start being braver. I do. And Jamal, I, I hope that maybe one day you'll take me back as your friend. And Jamie. Thank you. I'm sorry, what the fuck was that? <laughs> uh, Joe is on the ground. Like Joe is fetal position, just dabbing Did everyone his else eyes see with that? the napkin. <laughs> everyone else felt that, bro. <laughs> uh, you, uh, a hand just extends into view holding a cigar. It says, take a drag, it'll make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. to, to Jamie, yeah, <laughs> just like no thought, just grabs it, and there's a distinct like hand placement that definitely Jamie is used to uh, getting past uh, things that are on. I think fire. Jenna puts Clyde down on the ground to maybe get some of that liquid off the ground, and then also says to Jen, uh, says to Jen, um, I think you're pretty brave. I mean, you drank the juice. <laughs> Thanks. 
But honestly, I drank my brother it. a douchebag, so I think you're all right. And you made him cry. I don't think I've ever seen him cry. I would have thought you would have made him cry. <laughs> you're so badass. He doesn't care about what I have to say. <laughs> I do. I just made you to cry in private. <laughs> Still oh, just sobbing. Okay, Joe. Yeah, we'll talk about that later, but thank you, Jenna. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for all of you, I, I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have had the courage to say any of that or feel any of it. So, thanks. All right, now that everyone has their feelings out, can we, like, save our town? And Jenna will pick Clyde back up. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, you, as you pick Clyde back up, all of you here in your minds, yes, I agree. <laughs> as Clyde just sort of flexes. I think this would be an excellent course of action. Yes! I love this for Clyde! <laughs> I think Jenna smiles. Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, Clyde audibly purrs, and you hear, We are really in business right now, aren't we? Okay, Jamie. Mission is activated. The tarantula's talking, so mistakes may have been made. I was with it up until now. Uh... Before we move on, he's like, "What is happening?" Before we move on, I really want to ask: How is Kimberly doing with all of these revelations? Because obviously, she has witnessed all of this as well, as well as seeing that her mom is working uh, on something to do with uh, this these experiments on Myriad that you can presume uh, produced uh, the the Giga Fuel. That was being given out at these various uh, company towns. How is how is Kimberly feeling yeah. right now? As this whole last fifteen minutes or so has happened, I think Kimberly had been like she found one of her glow stick stashes that she left behind the counter. Has been like systemically cracking these different multicolored glow sticks um, as the revelations keep coming, and it's a way for her to sort of keep her mind sharp and her body calm as this is all pretty stressful. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah. anxiety is like skyrocketing, but she's like doing her shit to be in the zone. Um, but what's really in her mind right now is her mom and this whole cross company project. There was a time not too long ago when Kimberly went into her mom's office that was unlocked for a moment and she saw things like documents and folders. She didn't have a lot of time in there, but there was, there was something that she knew there must have been something extra that was going on that was keeping her mom so withdrawn. and seeing now those memories of what was, how overworked she was on the job with Dr. Prohaska and what was being worked on, and now that being in her hands and on the floor, and Jamie not experiencing it, is like just w swirling around, and that's sort of what's keeping her quiet in this moment. Mm. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, as, as Jenna urges, I think all of you also feel that coming from Kimberly. So I think everyone who has drank is aware of this and possibly even Jamie. I imagine that Kimberly's feelings are strong enough and connection with Jamie strong enough that even like you feel what your sister is feeling more so than you even normally do with the level of empathy that mm -hmm. you have for her. Um, 
And uh, as everyone is kind of like sitting in this emotional soup, uh, the uh, the voice of uh, Mutumbo once again rings out and says, So, as much as I like to stand around and have feelings on each other, uh, we got a job to do. I'm thinking a little operation might be in order. She takes another drag. Now, from what I can tell, the base of operations is not in Little Manu's. It's the Cross Company Headquarters building in Big Manu's. Because I believe they have the Cross Company labs there. I'm proposing we infiltrate. Strike while the iron's hot. Tonight, things may be a little haywire. But tomorrow evening, midnight, I'm going. You all, you drank the water. I'm guessing you have the powers. Care to join me? Jenna will offer her hand to Kimberly, which is probably never, ever a thing that has ever happened in Kimberly's life, ever. I will take it. She will break one of the glow sticks and be like, I'm ready. Me too. Fucking A. Um, she, she, I think in that pause, like where everybody's like, okay. And there's like a feeling of like, all right, let's do this. Just checking in. Is everybody kind of on the same wavelength of like, okay, okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's go and do something about this. I didn't drink the potion, Uh, but if you're taking my sister out of town and to a headquarters at midnight, I should probably stick along as a chaperone. I look at the puddle and say, it's not too late. Clyde had some. It's got like mop hair in it, but it's probably worth it. <laughs> uh, the even- Could I have broken the glow stick with my light, like a burst of fire, like energy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, ex- yes. you combusted the top of the glow I, stick. I think all of the fucking psychic people would know that Jamie's like being a little bit irreverent, like does want to help and everything that Jin said has convinced him, but he is just, he's just being a little bit, he's like, He's coming. He wants to come along and help. Yeah. Uh, In this moment of like decision, uh, there's a knock at the door, a little on the glass. And you hear, Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Is this is this where the screening is happening? And you turn and you see a woman, a, a very attractive woman. Looks like she's in maybe her 50s. Uh, standing outside, dressed quite nicely, a woman that all of you would at least vaguely recognize because you saw her earlier this evening in the blob. And Anita Corso is knocking at the window, who plays (laughs) Jane, the female lead in the blob, is like, I was invited by someone named... Jamie Patterson to a screening? Uh, there was something about a cave? I saw a fire, but there was... I'm sorry, I... Hello? And she just waves. Uh, Jamie fully goes flush and faints. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we will end this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I look at Jamie, I'm like, this is that scene in the horror movie when they're like... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Big Trouble in Little Manus. Join us again next time for the next exciting episode. Woo-hoo-hoo. Uh, my name is Jeremy Cobb. Uh, this is Three Black Halflings. I don't know why I'm plugging myself first, but you go through the guests real quick. Go ahead and plug yourself, guests. We'll start with Margaret. Uh, where can the people find you, Margaret? Hey, I'm Margaret Crone. You can find me at Margaret Crone in all the places. I do lots of things on the internet. And if you follow me, you will know I'm uh, doing a lot of shows and stuff. So stay tuned for all the goodness. And of course, I make games and video games for a living. I'm currently working on a project called Ashes of Creation, which you can find at Ashes of Creation in all of the places. And I also help run a little little tabletop studio where we play some games over and roll for it. So if you are looking for even more tabletop action, come check it out. All That's right. Me. Yeah. Hello, ahead, everybody. It's your resident uh, Margaret best friend, Char. <laughs> you can find me at Charlene Bear on all social media. I'm also the DM of Tabletop Titties, a queer and feminist TTRPG show that is run entirely by people of marginalized genders. We are just starting our third season as we're recording this episode, and it is going to be Dragon Age-inspired ttrpg So... Check that out wherever you find your podcasts and on Twitch. All right. Hey, I'm Kelly. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me as the mind right on most things except for Hive, where I got Kelly right. That's right. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, I'm a, <laughs> I am a storyteller for Titties by Night uh, on the Tabletop Titties channel. TBN is an actual play uh, show that follows a group of su- vampire supernatural investigators. Uh, we're going to have to, you're going to have to come on as Matumba now, Jeremy. I know that. He came on as Bernie, but we got to come. Yeah. Uh, In the Victorian era, uh, London, we used the Vampire the Masquerade system, but we turned it on its head. We shattered the camera, Camarilla, built connections with werewolves, and uh, started a community-driven government in the city. So if you love Vampire the Masquerade and want to experience a chill, supernatural take on it, make sure to follow Tabletop Titties. With double Ds. Double Ds. Uh, B Dave, <laughs> come on! <laughs> there are no Sorry, the double D's gets me every time. <laughs> They're not, you know, but that's okay. Because <laughs> your table, you do what you want. You just should. Vampire unity. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, B Dave Walters. That's what I do. I uh, I wax philosophical about vampires and uh, other stuff. Just follow me on the Tweetograms and everywhere else at B Dave Walters. It's me. Last but not least, Connie. Uh, Prosnikishi. <laughs> I play Jin Jung, everyone's favorite, very weepy, powerlifting. Uh, sad boy uh jin jang they z you can find me across the internet at by connie chong b-y-c-o-n-n-i-c-h-a-n-g on twitter tiktok hive tumblr instagram literally wherever there's a social media thing just plug by connie chong in and follow me there outside of this i am the game master and creative producer for Translator rpg which is an all transgender poc led dark fantasy DD uh, actual play set in an original non-colonial anti-orientalist uh, multiverse realm because as of the release of this our first main campaign the second stranger is probably coming to an end it's probably wrapping slash has wrapped but you can listen to all podcast episodes wherever you pod your cast uh watch all past vods which are fully edited sound designed with uh, sound effects background music pauses edited out all that good stuff on youtube at transplanter rpg and yeah give us a follow on twitch and youtube as well as your pod podcaster of choice as we come out with new fun content after the end of the second stranger and with that i'm gonna toss things back to jeremy hey thank you con con uh my name is jeremy cobb hello i my pronouns are he him i'm the resident gm here at three black halflings and uh if you're listening to the show for the first time we got a whole talk show all sorts of stuff uh we got interviews dm tips player tips nerd 
nerd news, talking about inclusivity and diversity in nerd spaces and TTRPGs specifically. Uh, go check it out. And uh, if you like this and you want to support, go check out the th- the Three Black Halflings Patreon, patreon.com slash tbhalflings. You can follow the show uh, at three, that's the number three, Black Halflings, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter and Hive at Jeremy Cobb one It's Cobb with two Bs and the number one. And we will see you next time. So long, Shire Folk. So long. So long, so long. Shire, Shire Folk. That was a HeadGum Podcast.